So today, we start a brand new series called God Never Said That, and I want to talk about that uh, over the next several weeks uh, through this series. And um, I want to ask you to go ahead and take out your notebooks and your pens and your pencils. I want to welcome all of our online campus today. Thank you uh, for being with us and uh, our Florence campus that's going to watch this as well. We're honored to have you with us today. We all make Florence feel welcome as they, they watch this. Uh, we're so honored to have uh, you guys with us. Hey, I want to let you know about a couple things while you're getting the, the um, notes together and go ahead and turn in your Bibles to 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 1 is the first portion of scripture we're really going to hang out at. I want to let you know any high schoolers and middle schoolers in the room, parents of high schoolers, middle schoolers, make some noise. Come on. Yeah, y'all are like, I ain't got any energy, man. I got a middle schooler. I ain't, I ain't got it. Um, just want to let you know that on, on this month of the 21st, we have a high school tribe night. What is a tribe night for high schoolers? It is a service right here in this building uh, just for high schoolers on the 21st of this month. And then on the 25th of this month, that's Sunday evening, uh, we have a service, a tribe night, a quarterly tribe night that we're doing just for our middle school students. So we want you to be in the room for that. Go ahead, invite your middle school and high schoolers. Go ahead, invite your friends. Uh, it is going to be a blast. You're going to want to be here. We had so much fun last time for that. And then I want to let you know one more quick thing. Beginning on May the 2nd, can't let you forget this. Grab your invite cards because we need to let people know we're making more room for them. Come on, somebody. May 2nd, 830, 10 and 1130 every single week moving forward. So go ahead and figure out which one of those services you will be at consistently. Invite some people. Take as many of these as you can. Uh, we are praying over these each and every week, each and every day uh, as you give them out. And we're excited to see how God grows this church. Hey, I'm pumped about this series, and here's why I'm pumped about this series. I am pumped about this series because I am tired of God getting the blame for things that he never said. God gets blamed for all kinds of stuff that he never said, he never did, he never thought, he never intended, but he gets the blame for it, right? And I just want to clear some of that up over the next several weeks. I think it's going to be a great, uh, really we're going to dig and get into some theological conversation as we go through this. And, um, you know, there's this phrase that you saw on the video, but I actually hear in life more times than I like, and it's this. I mean, after all, God wants you to be happy. God wants you to be happy. It's okay. God wants you to be happy. Can I, can I just go ahead and burst your bubble right off the beginning and make you mad at the very front? Like, God never said that. There's nowhere in Scripture where the Scripture goes, Godeth maketh meeth happieth. Like, it never says that. Oh, so God wants me to be miserable. No, I'm not saying that either. But God never said, hey, my ultimate desire in life is for you to be happy. Because if you think about it, happiness changes. Happiness shifts, doesn't it? Happiness changes based on what's happening around us because happiness is an emotion. That's why it doesn't say um, anything about happiness. It says joy. Joy is a decision. I will be joyful in difficult times. Happiness is a feeling. Joy is internal. Joy is steadfast. Joy stays there. Happiness changes. Let me, let me prove it to you, right? Is there anybody in the room that has ever been like this, right? So maybe you're going on a date, right, or you're going out with some friends, or maybe you're just going by yourself, and you do this by yourself. I don't know. But, like, you're going, and you're going out to eat, 
And I, I don't know about y'all, but when me and my wife are going out to eat or me and my family are going out to eat, we have to argue about where we're going for the first 30 minutes. You know what I'm saying? Like I literally, I've told y'all this before, I will literally pull in a parking lot, put it in park, and say I will not move and waste another drop of gas until somebody figures something out. And here's the ultimate conversation. This is how it goes. This is how it goes. It's, I, where do you want to go? Well, I don't care. Okay, you want to try this place? No. Pretty sure that's the literal definition of caring. You care where we go and where we don't go, right? Anybody have that conversation besides me? And then you ever done this? You're sitting in a restaurant that you chose to go to. This was your choice. This is where you want to go. This is it, right? And you're sitting down and you order that food that you can't pronounce. You know what I'm saying? Y'all wake up a little bit this morning. It's okay. Order that food that you can't pronounce, right? And you get there and you sit down and you take a few bites of it. And what do you say? I've thought this before. I'm like, man, I should have went with the other choice. <laughs> Anybody else besides me, right? It's like, oh, I wanted pizza and not Italian, or I wanted wings and not, you know, chicken, or whatever it was, right? I should have went with my other choice. I got, I, got a, I got a perfect story for you. I've told this story before. It's one of my favorite stories in the world. Uh, it's, it's a story from when my wife uh, was pregnant with my oldest, right? And I can tell this story because she's in the back with our radiate kids today. Um, but she, she was pregnant with our oldest, and if you have ever been around a pregnant woman, you know, th- I know, tread lightly, right? Uh, you, can, you know things change in a half a second. Like regular women, it's a full second. This, no, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Calm down. Don't catch me outside. How about that? Don't do all that, okay? We ain't doing all that. So like, so like when my wife was pregnant uh, with Brody, we were, we were eating, and I was a, an executive pastor and a, and a youth pastor at a church in Lexington County at the time, and um, great church and, and great moment of our lives, and she was pregnant, and uh, we went out to eat one night. It was just, we were enjoying the, one of the last few times, it'd just be me and her, you know, because when you have kids, you can't just get up and go anymore. Like, it's a little different. You got to pack their whole bedroom if you're going somewhere, you know. Going down to the beach takes you 30 minutes just to walk across the sand. Um, so anyway, uh, we're out to eat, and she goes, you know what I would like? And I'm like, yes, what would you like, my dear? She said, uh, she said I'd like some Krispy Kreme donuts after this, some Krispy Kreme donuts. Now, everybody likes Krispy Kreme donuts, but when you become um, the father or, 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 or you're dealing with a pregnant woman, you become a permanent employee of Chick-fil-A because your answer should always be my pleasure, my pleasure, my pleasure, my pleasure, madam, my pleasure, dear, my pleasure, beautiful Right? So I would like some Krispy Kreme donuts. My answer was my, my pleasure. My pleasure. So we get out and we're walking out of the restaurant. I don't remember what restaurant it was. We were walking out of the restaurant. We're going to the car. She said, you know what? Never mind. I don't really want any Krispy Kreme donuts because even thinking about them makes me want to throw up right now. I was like, well, first of all, that's not holy. Nothing about donuts screams throw up. Nothing about donuts screams sick, right? It screams goodness and greatness. In fact, the word for manna from heaven in the Greek, is crispy creme. Okay? It's amazing. So the reality is that she's like, I want it, and then I don't. So we're driving in the car. I'm on the phone. We're driving home. Like any, I was told to do. I was told to do. My pleasure, ma'am. I'm driving home. I'm on the phone. I'm fixing something on a Saturday night because it's next day Sunday morning. I don't want my pastor worrying about any of that. He needs to focus on preaching the word and leading the church. Not that. So I'm on the phone. I'm, I'm working on something, getting something done, right, like a good executive pastor is, does. And I'm on the phone, and I'm doing that. And I hear, I hear out of my one ear that is not taken up by the phone, I hear this. 
Those are not good sounds. I remember I said, hey, can you excuse me for just a minute? Like, give me just a second. I need to take care of something real quick. So I put the phone on mute. Thank God for the mute button. I put the phone on mute, and I look over. Y'all, we are not even probably two minutes. Two minutes, maybe three from our house. We got like two more turns to go, and we're there in our driveway enjoying our house. And I said, are you crying? She said, no. I was like, that's a lie. I may not be a smart man. But I know when you're crying. And I said, what's wrong with you? She goes, y'all, she burst out into tears. I wanted Krispy Kreme. (laughs) What? So you know what my answer was? My, My pleasure. Of course I'll whip this thing around in my own driveway. And go 10 more minutes, 15 more minutes down the road and go get Krispy Kreme. So guess what I did? I cut a U-turn. I hung up the phone. And I talked to her. And I made her feel better about life. And we went into Krispy Kreme. We went through the drive-thru. And I ordered not one but two dozen donuts. Because I didn't know how many donuts she wanted. But we were going to have more than enough. So we went and we got our Krispy Kreme donuts. I paid for them. They're sitting in her lap in the passenger seat of, our v- of my truck at the time. We're sitting there. She flips open the lid. And then all of a sudden, I see her close the lid. And in my mind, I'm a very literal, you know, analytical person at times. I went, she did not grab a donut. That doesn't seem quite right. So I looked over at her and said, what's wrong? She goes, I just don't want them anymore. They make me feel sick now. happening you wanted them you didn't want them you wanted them again now you don't want them again I don't understand and the reality is that's most of our lives because most of us happiness changes based on how we're feeling in the moment she wants she felt like she wanted them and then she felt like she didn't and then she felt like she did and then she felt like she didn't and the reality is happiness shifted why because of how she felt in the moment and the danger is we've created a gospel we've created a theology of happiness in our culture of Christianity today to where now we chase happiness not holiness we chase our feelings we give into our feelings we give into our wants rather than what God says And now we've created this truth that is relative to my situation rather than what God actually says. And here's the reality of chasing happiness is we'll do this. I'll go run over here. And I'm like, oh, this makes me feel good today. I love donuts. I wake up the next morning. I'm like, nope, the gym makes me feel good today. Yeah. And then you get sick and you get tired and your body hurts and you're sore. And you're like, oh, I don't feel good. And so we ride in the middle. We're like, hey, and what makes me happy is eating donuts on the way to the gym. And we're chasing, we're like, I'm going over here, and I want to overspend over here, and I want this relationship over here, and I got all this stuff. And we run this rat race of life, chasing happiness that is never actually real, because all we're doing is trying to appease an emotion in a split second. And we get to this moment where we go, well, after all, God just wants you happy. And we get that thought. Because God loves us. And if God loves us, then his overall desire is for us to smile all the time and be happy all the time. Can I tell you, I grew up in a loving home with loving parents. I hope you did too. And if you did, here's the truth. The truth of the matter is my parents loved me very much. My extended family loved me very much. My brother loved me very much in violent ways because he's my older brother. Now, he loved me very much. All this stuff, right? 
I had love all around me. But you know, not one time did my dad look at me and go, I love you. Therefore, say whatever you want to an adult. Spend that money however you want. Not one time did my mom go, hey, you want to kick that person? How about do one better? I love you so much. Go karate chop them in the throat. Not one time did my dad look at me and go, I love you so much, son. Go destroy your life. But we've gotten to a place where because we have a gospel of happiness, not a gospel of holiness, that we think that because God loves us, there's no parameters on our life, and we can create our own truth and our own relativism based on the circumstance we want to believe in the moment because it makes us happy. And here's the problem. Happiness moves. But the Bible says that God is the same what? Yesterday, today, and what? Forever. So here's what that teaches me. The Bible teaches me that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. So if Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, here's what that means. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And that means that truth, watch this, is truth. Truth always stands. Truth doesn't change. There's facts in your life that never change. There is a day you were born on. There was a date you were born. Guess what? That don't change. It don't matter if you want it to change. It don't matter if you feel like it changing. It don't matter if you go, I want to celebrate my birthday every month of the year. You're still born on one date of the year. That is a truth. That is a fact. The Bible, Jesus, God is truth. It doesn't change based on what we want to believe. It doesn't change based on what I feel like. It doesn't change based on what makes me happy or unhappy. It stands true in the test of time no matter what. But when we chase happiness and we, we shroud it or we cover it in this thought that God just wants me happy, can I just tell you his number one priority? I want you to hear me. God's number one priority in your life is not your happiness. It's not. Well, he wants me miserable. No, 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 no. I don't believe that either. I believe he wants you holy. He doesn't want you to pursue happiness because happiness, you, you could be happy buying a truck today and be miserable about it tomorrow. Right? But here's the truth. God goes, I just want you to take joy and delight in me. I just want you to love me. I just want you to trust me. I want you to have faith in me because when I have faith in circumstances, when the circumstances change, my faith fades. If, if my faith diminishes based on what happens to me, my faith is not very deep. It's not anchored in Christ. It's anchored in what happens to me and what I feel like and what I want to do. And so that's why whenever things get hard, I'll back away from the connection of the church. I'll back away from my life group. I'll back away from people that pray for me. I'll back away from people that love me. Because after all, I did all that and bad things still happen. And that's where we've gotten to where we've created a gospel of feel-good Christianity. Y'all with me today? Feel-good Christianity. Because when we serve happiness, watch this, we serve a God that exists to serve us. And when I serve a God that exists to serve me, I'm not serving God, I'm serving a gumball machine. I put a prayer in, I turn the handle a couple times, and poof, there comes an answer. And hey, I'll visit the gumball machine that I call God whenever I need another answer. Anybody remember the show, I, I Dream of Jeannie? 
Anybody remember that? Y'all like, you're old enough? Fountain of youth. Um, just kidding. Ask questions, ask, ask wishes. You get your wish. Makes things happen. It's magical. That's not who God is. God is holy. God is a father that is there to love us, that is there to guide us, that is there to direct us and pull the best out of us. He is not a God that looks and goes, oh, your circumstances changed. Just go do whatever you want because you're unhappy right now, and I want you to be happy. No, he goes, I want you to handle adversity with holiness. And we've created this Christianity that because I don't want to believe it, it can't be true. Can I, can, I, can I be as bold as to say that when God says something, he didn't ask your permission to say it? And he doesn't need your permission to set it in stone? When he made the Ten Commandments back in the day when people were rebelling against him, right? You know what he didn't do? He didn't go, hey, what would you guys like for me to put on here? He said, this is the Ten Commandments. Bottom line, here you go. You want to be holy? You want to be godly? You want to be favored by me? You want to be blessed by me? Here you go. Follow this. And so we've come to this place to where, after all, God just wants me happy. Can I just tell you, it's not that he wants you miserable. He's just not as concerned about your happiness as you are. Because you will go through difficulty. And it will be hard, and it will be frustrating. Let me give you three thoughts on the theology of happiness, and then we're going to get into the meat real quick. Theology of happiness is this. Whatever makes me happy must be right, and whatever makes me unhappy must be wrong. That's theology of happiness. Whatever makes me happy has got to be right, because I feel like it's right. Whatever You remember the Sheryl Crow song? If it makes you happy, it can't be that like three of you. Everybody else is like, I know it, but I'm not doing that. If it makes you happy, it can't be that bad. If it makes you happy, then why the mm, are you so sad? Y'all are like, why are you quoting that? Because that's, where that, that's the theology we're living by. If it makes me happy, it can't be that bad. Yeah, you're probably right. Overeating every day of your life can't be detrimental to your health. Yeah, you're probably right. It makes you happy to spend money today, and debt is a good thing. It makes me happy to go punch somebody in the face today because they did me wrong. Jail is going to be great. <laughs> if it makes you happy, it can't be that bad. That's what the enemy wants us to believe. Here's another one. The theology of happiness is discomfort, delay, risk, suffering, inconvenience and obstacles can't be God's will. When I chase happiness, anytime anything makes me unhappy, that can't be God's will. can't be true. Watch this. Jesus said this. If you want to be a follower of me, what do you need to do? Take up your cross and follow me. He wasn't saying put a chain around your neck. He wasn't saying put a sticker on your back windshield. He wasn't saying wear a sticker whenever your kids go to kid, radiate kids. He wasn't saying anything. You know what he was saying? Pick up a Roman torture device. That was made to humiliate, torture, and kill people. To set apart so that everybody knew who the worst of the worst was. You pick up one of those things and, and you carry your own cross. You carry your own humiliation. You carry your own guilt. You carry your own pain. You carry your own torture. You carry your own death. When you carry those things, that's whenever you're following me. He never said, when everything is so rainbows and roses and you get everything you want. 
That's not what God said. He said, when you pick up a cross that will kill you, when you're willing to be persecuted and humiliated for what you believe in and what your faith is in, that is when you follow me. That's what Jesus said. And can I just be real? We don't live in a world where difficulty will not happen. And persecution will happen. And let me just get this out. I'm going to make you mad today and love you anyway. But the truth of like masks, the whole mask thing, that's not persecution, guys. Masks is not persecution. Wear them or don't wear them. That's up to you and what you want to do. The truth of the matter is just because somebody's asking us to do something doesn't mean America's being persecuted. Persecution is when you have to smuggle in suitcases of Bibles to an underground church in China and they freak out when they open the suitcase because they know their life could be gone the moment they grab that Bible. That is persecution. Not a disagreement. Not because somebody blasted you on Facebook. Not because somebody didn't like your picture on Instagram and follow you on Twitter. It's because we know where our faith is and I will go through what I got to go through in order to get to where I got to get. The theology of happiness says, ah, that ain't nothing. It don't make you happy. It's not real. Here's the other one. Without knowing it, what happens whenever we chase the theology of happiness, without knowing it, we begin to worship the false gods of comfort and money and, and pleasure and things. All the things that fade becomes the most important to us when we follow happiness more than holiness. Let me give you two reasons God doesn't want you happy. God doesn't want you happy when it causes you to do something sinful or stupid. I want to put it as boldly and plainly as possible because I only got a few minutes. God does not want you happy if it goes against his word. If it goes against his teaching. If it goes against everything that he sent his son to die for that we celebrated last week, if it goes against that, he don't want you to be a part of it. First Peter chapter 1 and verse 15 says this. If I can find it, there it is. But like the Holy One, talking about God, like the Holy One who called you, who called you, be holy yourselves also in your behavior. Yeah, but I thought... I thought actions didn't save us. It doesn't. The Bible says you're not saved by actions. You're saved by grace. Absolutely, 100%. The Bible also says that faith without action is dead. What in the world is the contradiction? Here's all anybody is saying. Faith, grace, Jesus, belief and submission to Jesus Christ, the one that died on the cross and bridged the gap through the resurrection between God and humanity, that is our salvation. What you do does not save you. But what you do is an outward expression of who and what has happened on the inside of you. Saved people serve people. You know, I love that over 200 meals were served in our community yesterday. Yesterday. While we were out doing stuff, we had a group of people serving meals to people that needed it. You know, I love that because you get to talk about it. No. I love that because they know that what they're doing to bless other people is simply because God blessed them and saved their soul and saved people, serve people. All day, every day. Save people, serve people. But save people don't have to tolerate sin. We may sit back and love somebody, but it don't mean we got to go, hey, you're all good. Keep, keep, keep going that way. You're good. Just keep doing what you're doing. 
It's completely against God. But keep doing it. I know this is the kind of sermon where you're like, oh, man. It just is what it is. Here's the thing. If we're pursuing happiness, we're being led by emotions and not faith. Emotions, I say this in leadership all the time, emotions come and go. Emotions are great indicators. If I'm blowing up out of nowhere, it's an indication that I probably need some rest. If I'm overly sad all the time, it's an indication I need to deal with something on the inside. Maybe talk to a counselor, the life group leader, something like that, right? I need to talk to God. I, like indicators, they are terrible dictators because emotions change. And that's like if I look and I go, Pastor Chris, you really ticked me off in staff meeting this week. Like you, really, like you dishonored in that moment, and I don't like it, so I'm going to punch you in the throat right now. Right? Don't sit there and act like you ain't felt like that at work. Y'all like, yeah, my kid this morning. No, I'm just kidding. Maybe not. Emotions are terrible dictators because emotions will lead us to do things that we don't want to do. And it will keep us there way longer than we want to stay. Because it creates consequences. So when I go, hey, you know what? I'm mad and I'm upset and I got this going on and I got that. I'm quitting. And then a week later, you're like, oh, no. I still got to pay bills. You get what I'm saying? When we, when we chase happiness, we're being led by emotions and not faith. Because emotions will tell us eating too much. Watch this. If we're chasing happiness, eating too much cake feels good in the moment. So, oh, my gosh. Cake has got to be on the table when we get to heaven. And you're eating it and you're eating it. And guess what happens like two hours later? You feel terrible. And you're sitting back and you're like, oh, no. I'm going to what? In the moment, it feels great. Later on, it doesn't. Emotions teach us that stuff. Emotions make us go and spend way too much in the moment because we're trying to compensate for a lack of adrenaline in our lives. If I go buy a new truck, woohoo, yeah, and then the first payment comes, and you're like, I don't know how to pay for this. Right? We got we to gotta be led by something sturdier than that. The second part, uh, God doesn't want you happy uh, when it causes you to do something sinful or wrong. And then God doesn't want you happy when it is only based on things of this world. Let me, let me take you to 1 John chapter 2, 15 through 17. Is this helping anybody today? Is this helping anybody? Good. 1 John 2, 15 through 17 says it, says it like this. Do not love the world, nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father, watch this, is not in him. Wow. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the boastful pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. Wow. Verse 17. The world is passing away, and also its lusts. But the one who does the will of God lives forever. God doesn't want us happy when it's only based on things of this world. Here's a, an equation of happiness that we all, try to, we all try to follow. It's this. Better possessions plus peaceful circumstances plus thrilling experiences plus the right relationships plus the perfect appearance equals happiness. You can't even remember all those things, much less live up to them. And then we want to know why we're so tired in life. We don't have time for our kids. We don't have time for God. It was a busy day today. I'll double up on prayer tomorrow. 
Hey, God, I'll read the Bible tomorrow. Sorry, just busy. Oh, yeah? Man, it took you 15 times to take that Instagram selfie. If only we had that time back. I'm not saying any of that stuff's bad. I'm not saying social media. I know I rip on social media a lot. Social media is not bad. Being busy isn't bad. Having a good job isn't bad. Having a new truck, a new boat. None of that stuff's bad. But when I get my identity out of it, when I chase that more than I chase God, there's the problem. And we've created this gospel of relativism. Because after all, it makes me happy. So it's relative to me. So it's truthful. That is not biblical. Truth is truth. And just because I don't like, you know, there's a large percentage, and I'm not trying to beat anybody up, there's a large percentage of people that, uh, that call themselves Christians and never read the Bible. How can I love and submit my life to a God that I won't even read about? I won't even know about? And that's why we have this gospel and theology now that I'm talking about today. It's because we don't actually know what he says in the first place. And so if I'm happy, my emotions are indicators that I'm on the right track. God, throughout the Bible, there's this word blessed that shows up. God wants us blessed. And if you translate it, it's this word, maka, makarios, makarios. And here's what makarios means, supremely blessed or more, watch this, more, somebody say more, more than happy, more than happy. God wants us to be blessed. But sometimes, to get to the blessing, we have to be willing to go through a beating. I have a different outlook on life than I did two years ago, five years ago, 14 years ago. Because 14 years ago, I was living my life to the best, trying to do whatever I wanted to be happy. 14 years ago, I had a pacemaker put in my, in my, in my chest. I've had over 10 surgeries since then. I should have, doctors have said, I should have never gotten off an operating table three separate times. I'm a cat with nine lives. Right? If that's the case, I shouldn't have three kids and a beautiful wife and, a, and the house I've got and the church that I get to pastor. I've got a different look. I get to see how blessed I am in life because I went through a beating to get there the question is are you willing to go through a beating to be blessed by God you know why Jesus loves you so much because he went through a beating he wants us more than happy he doesn't want us happy he wants us more than happy Psalm chapter 37 and verse 4, it's in the English Standard Version. If you'll give me about two more minutes, I'll be wrapping up. But Psalm chapter 37 and verse 4 says it like this. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. We love quoting that. God said he'd give me the desires of my heart. Don't forget the first portion. When I delight myself in the Lord. I delight in the Lord, not the desire. When I delight in the Lord, what he wants comes first. And so drinking too much, eating too much, not tithing, stealing. What, you just throw all of it in there. I don't really care. Whatever it is in your life, 
extramarital relationships, sex before sin, I mean before marriage, all this stuff, whatever it is, throw it in there. None of that matters as much as the Lord when I delight in the Lord. You know, this past week for spring break, um, I went down uh, to the beach for a day, play golf. I like to attempt to play golf. And I uh, played some golf and uh, hit some good, good shots, in case anybody was wondering, but you weren't. And uh, my team won, just saying. And uh, not because of me. And uh, played some golf. Now, my kids and my wife went down to the beach. They went down to the sand and in the Satan snot called the ocean. Because when you get out of there, you're sticky and it's nasty. And uh, I could go to the beach and never see the sand nor the, nor the water. Some of you guys are like, I can't go to the beach and not spend 12 hours a day laying on sand. And uh, I went down one day uh, to walk down to see uh, our, our Florence campus directors. Uh, Amber and Justin were there and um, Megan and the kids. I was picking them up. And when I walked out there, and I saw, I saw people throwing frisbees and footballs and boogie boarding in like 12-degree water. Those people need to be saved. And all this stuff. Um, but you know what I didn't see? Here's what I didn't see. I didn't see sharks swimming around on the sand on the beach. I didn't see flounders, you know, flopping around on the beach. I didn't see, you know... Um, King mackerel or Spanish mackerel on the, on, the, on the beach and in the sand. I didn't see any of that. You know why I didn't see any of that? Because they were where they were made to be, in the water. They weren't made for the beach. They were made for the water. You weren't made for earth. You were made for heaven. And the problem is, is a lot of us live to please a place that we weren't made to inhabit anyway. This is not our, this is not our eternity. And so when I go, I put such a high value on making sure that my 80, 85 years, 90, 95, 125, I don't know, years on earth are better than the eternity I have in heaven. Then here's what I'm doing. I'm looking and going, hey, God, where you created me to be, I don't put as much stock in as where I'm currently just passing by. See, earth is a visitation. It's a blip on the map when it comes to eternity. And I have to realize where I'm made for. You're not made for earth. Earth was made for you. That's why in Genesis it says you have dominion over the animals in the sea and the earth. Earth was made for you. That's why there's an eternal longing on the inside of you to do way more than you've ever done in your life. Watch this. Psalm 97 and 12. I'm going to read it out of the New Living Translation. It says this. May all who are godly Rejoice in the Lord and praise His holy name. May all who are godly hear me today, church. You weren't made for earth. You were made for eternity. Earth and life here will be difficult. It will not allow you to always be happy. Because there's one place, it says, that the enemy roams the what? Earth, seeking whom he may devour. In other words, seeking whom he may make miserable. If my theology and chase of God is based on how I feel, then I will submit my faith in God 
to the happiness of what the enemy gives me here. And that is not what we were created for. It will make us uncomfortable. You know why? Because we're tapping in to that eternal side. That this is not my home. Anybody with me? That is my home. That is your home. That is our home. And that gives me great faith that no matter what happens to me on this earth, no matter how difficult it may be, no matter how frustrated I may become, no matter how unhappy trying to become holy may make me, the truth of the matter is, I will spend eternity with my Father, and I will sit in a place where there are no more tears, no more gnashing of teeth, no more weeping, no more sadness, only gladness and goodness with my Father, my Creator, my God. That gives me hope, and that gives me joy. And I hope today that it's not that we walk out of here and go, God wants me miserable, because that's not true. He delights in your happiness but he desires your holiness. Can we bow our heads and pray in this moment? And as we draw closer to God, I want you to hear me when I say he does delight in your happiness. He loves to see your smile. He loves to see you enjoy what he's giving you, the relationships, the church, the finances, the stuff that you have on this earth. He wants you to enjoy it. But this is not our identity. This is not our home. He delights in it, but he desires our holiness. Let's just pray together very quickly. And I want to ask if there's anybody in the room that would say, Pastor, I want to give my life to Jesus today. He loves me, and I've been following the wrong God, but I want to give him my life. I want to give him my heart. He loves me, and I love him, and I submit. Would you just hold your hand just straight up above your head so I can see you today, so I can pray with you? Here's what I'd love to do today. I'd love to pray with you that we would chase holiness. We would chase God because as we chase God, happiness follows. Because we delight in him. We delight in God. Father, we honor you. And I thank you, God, that you delight in our happiness. You delight in our joy. You delight in our smiles. You delight in how much we love you. But God, you desire us to draw closer to you. And there may be moments of toughness. There may be moments of difficulty. There may be moments of challenge and, 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 and uncomfort, discomfort in our lives. But God, here's what we know. As we draw closer to you, we delight in you. And that brings you joy. And that brings us joy. And God, I just want to chase you. Let us chase your holiness. Let us chase who you are. Let us chase what you're about and make a difference in this world because save people, serve people. God, we honor you. In your name we pray. And everybody shout it together. Come on.